Father to shine his light upon you. Shine his light upon his church. And let us go out there in the marketplace and cause this light to shine. Bringing joy to the hearts of men. Bringing light to the thickest parts of darkness in the world. Converting men. Turn it to your personal prayer. Ask him for personal visitation this morning. That the glory of God may pass through. Making you an instrument of witness for him. Father, we thank you, King of Glory, for yet another day. Thank you because of the love you have invested in our lives. Thank you for accounting us worthy to be your servants. This morning, O oh Lord, we submit all our faculties unto you. Believing you for a glorious manifestation. We submit all our faculties unto you, Lord. We surrender completely. That you will minister to our spirit, man, as you equip us to go out there to do exploits for you. We pray for a revelation of your word. We pray for a revelation of your son that makes a whole lot of difference. Thank you, blessed Redeemer. I submit myself completely and totally unto you. That use me as a vessel to reach out unto your people. Thank you for hearing us. And take every glory. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. When I received this invitation to speak on this topic, I was very glad. It looks so simple and very straightforward. I just come talk about the perverseness of the generation and how we should approach it. But when I got into pray, the Lord did not lead me that way. And so I'll give a little preamble, which is a little bit technical. And I expect that you take that as an assignment to uh, begin to look at the book of Philippians on your own. Because you don't have the time to go into detail. So it will just be an outline. And then we will narrow down to what we are supposed to be talking about. So it's good you take notes and then go and work on your own. Amen. By way of introduction, remember we are talking about shining as light in a perverse generation. And our text is taken from Philippians chapter 2. Especially verse 4 and 15 and 15. The church at Philippi was founded as a result of supernatural visitation experienced by Paul while at Troas during his second missionary trip, like you see in Acts of the Apostles, chapter 16, verse 8 to 10. As a person, I've always wondered why God should forbid Paul and his team from preaching in Asia and Bithynia. But as I prepared for this message, some things began to get clearer to me. The church in Philippi was the first church in the whole of Europe. It was like an inroad of the, uh, into Europe. And I began to see why God would stop these other places. And as, as at that point in time, they were so interested in the gospel getting to Philippi in Macedonia. The city was founded by Philip of Macedon, father of Alexander the Great in 357 BC, and named after him. It was about 700 miles from Rome and enjoyed full citizenship. The story has it that in trying to conquer the Middle East, Rome was in war against Macedonia. The Roman army ran out of salt. Then Roman soldiers were paid with salt. That's why we have the expression, a man is worth his salt. I was wondering why I should be bothering you with that, but at the end of the message last Sunday, I had to leave it. 
The Roman religion threatened to return home, meaning that Macedonia will remain unconquered. The citizens of Philippi were pre um, preferred to be ruled by, who preferred to be ruled by Rome rather than by Macedonia, raised huge quantity of salt for the Roman soldiers. So their, slavery was, uh, their salary was paid. Hence, they were able to defeat Macedonia. In compensation, the citizens of Philippi were conferred the status of a colony. By this, they enjoyed all the rights and privileges of Roman citizens. In other words, Philippi was like a small, a little room. And then from there, the Apostle Paul took the gospel to the rest of Europe. You can see that in Acts of the Apostles, chapter 16, verse 12, that um, Philippi is referred to as the foremost city in this part of Macedonia. And then in Philippians chapter 1, verse 13, and Philippians chapter 4, verse 2, you can begin to understand why reference is made to the palace guards and Caesar's household. The people that were in this church were big men. Some, you know, at, at the end of the war, some of those retired generals decided to make their tent, pitch their tent in Philippi, and they settled there. So some of them knew the people who were in Caesar's palace. And some of, the, some of them in the palace guards knew me, some of the members of the church. And that's why they could exchange greetings. So it was an elite church. It was a very strategic church. The church was also Paul's favorite. Their work in Philippi was very successful. You remember the rich merchant, Lydia, received the gospel, Acts of Apostles, chapter 16, 14 to 15. The girl with the spirit of divination was also delivered here. And then the Philippian jailer and his household were converted. There is also something that we see. Also, we see that all the epistles of Paul, there is always a build-up in form of greetings or introduction. And then it now builds up into a crescendo or a climax and reaches its zenith or apex and then begins to decline in form of salutations and uh, minor issues. If you look at this uh, text in um, Philippians chapter 3, you will see that it starts with finally. Chapter 3 starts with finally, which means the greetings that he did in chapter 1 and introduction of himself had finished in chapter 1. In this chapter 2, where we have the main message, especially verse 1 to 4 is the message that is intended for the church. 5 to 11 is just an illustration, which is, I'm going to really put so much emphasis, because that's what is going to lead to your shining as perverse, uh, in a perverse generation. So the major part of chapter 1 is salutation, thanksgiving, and Paul's personal testimonies and preferences. However, from chapter 2, we are introduced to what seems like the part of heart of church harmony, Christian character and service, like we see from verse 1 to 4. The irony of this passage is that what seems like an example, or if you like, put in parentheses, is rather the climax of the message of this book. And it forms the zenith or the heights of the message of the epistle. I may not be wrong to also conclude that this parenthetic message from verse 5 to verse 11 forms the heart of the whole of the New Testament. Because therein, you have the central sublime message that centers on the admonition which started from verse 1 to 4, which is rounded off with, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, from verse 5. The message is verse 1 to 4. And it's talking about church unity. You know, these people were big men, selfish. Everybody was just going about their own business. They didn't care for the needy amongst them. 
And Paul had to take time to write to them, admonishing them not to be selfish, but to be selfless, to care for the needy around them, and then to look to the needs of other people, and to walk in unity. That was the, the center of the message. But he now illustrated it to the life of Jesus by saying, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. But I think you should follow me. Because the point I'm trying to make, this illustration now became a message that is bigger than the message itself. The Bible says that he, being in form of God, did not count it robbery to be equal with God, but humbled himself. So in this verse, 6 to 11, you have what we call the, the greatest Christology of the New Testament. Therein you also have the kenosis of Jesus Christ. In other words, his humiliation. The word kenosis simply means to empty himself. Though he was God, he did not count it robbery to grasp that right, but he laid it aside in order to bring salvation to you and I. And Paul is admonishing us to take on the same attitude. Are we together? So take time to study it. The deity of Christ, his pre-existence, the kenosis is contained therein. The greatest Christology of the scriptures. Is contained in that small passage of the Bible. Take time to study it. A revelation of the personality of Christ can set you on fire. It can make what we are talking about this morning to be very simple. When you can catch the vision of who Jesus is. Amen. Understanding the Christological truths and facts about the Lord and Master Jesus Christ as set forth by the Apostle here will lead to our next discussion and of course our conclusion. In other words, it will lead to your not murmuring. It will lead to your to leading a, a blameless life. And it will also lead you to living a harmless life in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine forth as light. You will see from the King James Version that when you develop the mind and character of Christ, you will naturally shine wherever you find yourself. You know, I don't have the grace of time. I would have liked us to read it from the Message Bible. But suffice it to say that this assignment that we are supposed to be doing this morning is like you are moving in the darkness or in the, in, 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 in the night and you have two or three persons following you and you are the one having light. You are supposed to lift up the light so that they too will be seen without hitting their feet against the stone. That's the impression that is being passed. So you are the one bearing the light, and so you have to hold it in such a way that those other people following you will be seen without being harmed. That's the essence. So when you develop this mindset, you find out that doing this thing will be effortless. You remember that one of the times that uh, a brother, um, what's his name again, Bolu Onoja, or Bolu Onoja, one of the times he preached here, he told us that the mango tree does not struggle to produce mango fruits. You still remember it. Does not struggle. It will just naturally produce it. So when you have this kind of contact you're talking about with Jesus Christ, your bearing the light becomes very, very obvious. Let's look at that verse 15. It's not a command. It is an assumption that you will shine the light. It did not say you should go and shine the light. It's different from Matthew chapter 5 verse 15. Of, here it says that you may become blameless. In other words, when you have this contact we're talking about, you will become blameless, you become harmless, children of God, without fault in the midst of the people that are following you, dark and perverse generation. 
you will effortlessly shine. You don't need any prompting. You don't need any archdeacon. You don't need any pastor to preach to you. You don't need other people around you to shine. All you need is to have this kind of wonderful experience of a relationship with the Lord and the Master. Amen. If you look at that Matthew chapter 5, you will also see that it, this clear cut, there is a word that we will emphasize as we get along. Because it says, Let's. It says, You are the light of the world. From this, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do men light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand that it gives light to all who are in the house. Then verse 16 says, let your light so shine. It is you that will allow the light to now shine. And look at those two key words. Take time to look at them. Let and so. We will still emphasize them as we get along. And then if you look at John chapter uh, 8 verse 12. It says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So if you walk in Christ, you will have the life, the light that draws what? That gives life. There's no way you'll be in a place and there will be, the place will be lifeless. There is no way. I have never, since I got born again, gone into a place and the chemistry of that place will not change. Whether it's in the classroom or among my family. Of course, do not decision. I've said it here once. I am about the fourth child, but there's no major decision that can be taken in my family without involving me. It's not because of any natural intelligence, but because there is something that God has deposited in you that others are looking for, and they cannot do without it. Even in, at, uh, my, guys here, in, in my work with Scripture Union, people will criticize me. I, I'm, I'm regarded as a troublemaker, but when the, tough, when the issue is tough, they look for me. Even those who criticize me, they come and look for me. Yes, it's laughing because it's aware of what I'm talking about. People who have abused you and said all kinds of things, when they are in trouble, they look for you. Somebody got into trouble, all these big guys, they went to see him. I was at Abuja. He said, until Ezali comes. I was talking with somebody on phone yesterday. Because even though I've retired, they have refused to leave me. Somebody called me, and as I was talking, I told him, why should somebody be made scripture in your national chairman? And the council of SUD are going there to go and congregate, uh, congre- uh, congratulate him. More than 100 persons. And he took note that Ezali has not come. I was, just yesterday I was telling somebody, how can the national chairman take note, small me, that Ezali has not come? You possess the light that gives life. You possess the light that gives direction to men who do not know where they are going. If only you will let it shine. Amen. Amen. So, because of time, we'll just go on. If you, the, the, the other thing that you need to take note of that is with, without these Christ-like attributes, you will be part of the darkness. There is no two ways about it. If your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. And he says, if therefore the light that is in you becomes darkness, great is that darkness. We will still emphasize it. Let's look at some ways your light can be stopped from shining. When you are hidden in a valley, if you look at that Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, 
He says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. So if you go further, I said that men do not do that should be another point. But suffice it to say that you have to position yourself on the hill. You have to say, position in that office where you are staying, don't go and put your seat. If you are in a staff room, for example, don't go and put it at the back of the, the staff room. Position your seat where people will be in contact with you. Where you can easily this. One of the things I do when I'm entering a bus, you know people struggle for the front seat. Sometimes I make that mistake and go and sit in the front seat. When you're about to preach, you have problems. Because you'll now be turning your head this way. When you're entering the bus, look for the middle seat. Position yourself. Because you know you want to shine in this bus. You don't go and sit at the back seat. And the people in front will not be hearing you. Except you come late and there's no other space. That's a different issue. Don't sit in front. Don't sit at the back. Position yourself in the middle. Because you know you must shine. Put yourself in a strategic place. If you're working in an office, the way you relate with the office staff should give room for your sharing the gospel with them. Even not ordinarily when they are shooting you, you know you should fight for your right. But because you want to reach out to them, you let go. Amen? Number two, when you are hidden in a basket, either by yourself or by the forces of darkness. If you look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 15, it says, people do not light a lamp and put it under a basket. You don't put a light, otherwise that would mean you are crazy. That means you love darkness. You put it on a lampstand. But suffice it to say that at times it may not be you that put it in a basket. The devil can decide to put you in a basket. And that's why prayer is very, very important. And that's why any civilian Christian cannot survive. Because you're walking in a perverse and a dark world full of wickedness. You must be erratic. You must be radical. Amen? Number three. When you hinder your light from shining, watch that little word, let. You know, I said we'll meet it again in chapter 5 of Matthew verse 16. That light, that word, let, and that word, so. Very, very strong. In other words, you know, let is what? Let means you can permit it or you can decide not to permit it. The light is there. It is obvious. Verse 14 says you are the light of the world. In that verse 15, say, where you shine forth in the dark and perverse generation. So, there is that assumption. You are, a, you are the light. But you yourself can decide not to let that light shine. You can decide to be mute in the place where you belong. You can decide that you can just salary. You can decide Lord, I don't want to obey you in this regard. Let. In other words, you as a person can hinder. Then so, in such a way that to reach out. In other words, the congregation you are reaching, your classmates, your, you, if I'm going to preach in a local scripture union group, I will not go with this kind of outline. They will know what I'm talking about. Like when I had to, I, I taught somewhere on Wednesday, when I was going to teach the same thing on, on Thursday, I had to pray specially for language, because I know I have to speak Igbo by force. Because the people I preached on, on Wednesday were like the people on Thursday were the, uh, what we call the grassroots. And then we had to speak Igbo by force. So you have to pray specially for that. So you have to cause your light to shine in such a way that it benefits the people you are reaching out to. Not just to fulfill all righteousness that you have. There is light here. Are we together? So Number four, 
when you become part of the system. Your light cannot shine when you are part of the system. That's Matthew chapter 6, verse 22 to 24. And then Philipp, uh, Romans 13, uh, 12 to 14. You know, when the darkness, you, you are supposed to be light. When the light in you becomes darkness, the Bible says that the, how thick is that darkness? You know, it will be terrible. And that is why you must do everything to make sure that this light that the master has lit in you shines. That you're not part of the darkness. When you keep quiet, the possibility of their consuming you is there. And in Romans 13, it says, if you in you, if, um, in you, if um, let's us cast off the what? The works of darkness. Look at that word again, let. And let us put on what? The armor of light. Because there is no more time. That's what he's telling you. But the coming of the Lord is very near. There is no more time for civilian life. There is no more time for standing on the fence. You must take a stand for him and shine your light because time is running against us. Number five, when you no longer believe in or connected with the source of light. John chapter 12 verse 35 to 36. He says, you, while you have the light, believe in the light. And Matthew, uh, John chapter 15 verse 4 says, you can, uh, says, except you are connected to me, you cannot achieve any result. Let's take this building for example. You go to the wire that brought light into this building and you cut it. Will there still be light in this house? There will be no light because it has been cut off from the source. When your faith in the resurrected Savior is diminished, you cannot shine for him. Your light can be staccatoed or divergent or blurred by case of this life. I think that should be number six. What to eat, what to wear, or what to drink. Matthew 6, 31 and 13, uh, Matthew 13, 22. And you know, one, one of the things that made me to begin to live a carefree life as far as this life issue is concerned is when the Holy Spirit ministered to me. That economic hardship is not just physical. It's an instrument in the hand of the devil of making Christians to be deviated from pursuing these earthly things. That the main thing, the main assignment that is given to them, they can no longer accomplish it. If you know in this congregation, everything you need in life, you have it. Can you raise your hand? Everything. Oh, God bless you. There's somebody who has everything. Ah, two of them. That means you are not following of their they have everything they have reported themselves <laughs> you know kagwa <laughs> It's a secular artist, but it makes a lot of meaning to me. Nobody will say that he has everything. So you will always have something that you will be complaining that you don't have. And it will be deviating you and blurring your light from shining. Amen. Then the final one is ignorance 
of whom you are and the time frame of your manifestation. Ignorant of who you are and not knowing that there is a limited time. Jesus said you should shine while you have the time because a night is coming when nobody can walk. Matthew chapter 5 verse 14 says you are the light of the world. cannot be hidden. You are the light of the world. You should know it that you are the light of the world. There's no two ways about it. And that when your light is not shining, you are endangering people. You are endangering your family members, your mother, your brothers, your, father, uh, your friends who have not known this way. You are endangering them and preparing them for eternal damnation when you refuse to manifest your light. John chapter 1 verse 9, Jesus said he's the, he's the light. And of course, we all know that he's the light that lights every man that comes into the world. Then John chapter 9 verse 4 to 5. Your stay in that class or that office is not forever. Take note of that. Some of you, they shift you after three years. So, even if you're staying one day in that office, make an impact. I had an accident between Abuja and Suleja. I was with my wife that night. And they took me to police station. They put me in the cell. I was very happy. I stayed ministry to the people there, and the, one of them particularly gave his life to Christ. And I gave them money. And then I finished preaching and leading him to Christ. They came and removed me. and took me to another police station. <laughs> so as far as I, 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 I'm concerned, it was an opportunity to preach the gospel. So even if you're staying one hour in that office, make an impact. Let your light shine. Amen? There is a time limit. You're not going to stay there forever. And of course, there's retirement age. Even if you are going to stay there, you are not going to stay until you die. And who knows, even if death is going to come, what will it take God that you did there? Every place you find yourself is an opportunity for you to minister the gospel. Finally, finally, remember that Paul said finally in chapter 3, and he spent another two chapters there. <laughs> finally, how perverse is this generation? How perverse is the generation we are in? We do not have the time to read the passages, but on your own, you can look up Genesis chapter 6, verse 1 to 18. In fact, there, even God regretted that he made man because of the level of wickedness. People were sleeping with their father's wives, sleeping with their sisters. There was lawlessness. And God, the creator of the world, regretted that he made man. You can see it in Genesis 6, 1 to 18. I don't have the time. Romans chapter 1. Verse 18 to 32. It's a scripture you should be reading every time. And then 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. Let me go through it again. Genesis 1, 18. Genesis 6, 1 to 18. Romans 1, 18 to 32. And 1 Corinthians 5, 1. I'll just summarize it. This is a rebellious generation. This is a generation that is given to crude, immoral living. Youths engulfed in use of drugs. I hope you know that the richest people in Nigeria are people in the entertainment industry. I was telling my wife, I forgotten, but there's something that was on here and she was asking a question. I told her that if you look, even the people driving the costliest cars in Nigeria are all these people in the entertainment industry. You just have a hall and then allow people to come naked in the night. It's here all over Enugu. You can go, go around in the night. If you meet uh, Sister Ihoko Bona, he will tell you a lot of these stories. Just open it. And then people will be coming there to dance naked and carry 
uh, naked girls on their legs. And that is it. You, you'll be smiling to the bank with your money. When I was at Simbat Aguda, one of um, very big men that I repented, he told us they don't even have sex with the girls. What they do at the secondary school girls, they invite him to their, his garden with friends. They will go naked, head to toe, no pants. You know, they are still virgins. Their breasts will still be protruding like that. And they will just be looking at their butters. They have opened their legs. They see their vagina. Look at their breasts. That is all they do. They don't touch the girls. They pay them and they go. Maybe that's what the devil told them to be doing because I've had a waste of money. And the other time I was in the program, we were told that some of these people, you people that send your children to all these private schools, go to Lagos to see girls. Government, they call this, um, what do you call this one, owned by um, Seventh-day Adventists. You know? Some of these private schools, you see them, they're girls. They go to sleep with men in hotels. And this uncle was telling us, when he confronted this girl, the father is a millionaire, so he won't say it's money that's the problem. That's the age we are in. Young, young girls go to sleep with men in hotels, and they come from very rich homes. You know, that's why even parenting in this our time is very difficult. Some of these things, when I, I see them, I just feel good that I don't have a baby girl. Because I may not have been sleeping in the night when she goes to school because of what is happening. Lecturers are doing all kinds of things with our girls. You know? So it's a generation that's given to crude, immoral living. Youths engulfed in use of drugs as a result of frustration, nkurumiri, tramadol, marijuana. It's all over the place. Just along Chime. When we take a walk in the morning, my wife and I, you see them lined up there. Handsome, pretty girls. You just see them. With all the hamatan, they'll be there with bonfire. Just along Chime alone, you see up to three of them. And then different parts of Enugu. Young, young people. You can hardly see old men, old women. Because of drugs. Increase in demonic activities resulting in bizarre inhuman manifestations. Idle hands. Almageries. Street oceans. Abandoned children. Banditry. Boko Haram. Unknown gunmen. Kidnapping. COVID-19 and the rest of them. The other day we visited a uh, near your house. On a... On a was it a Monday? It was a Monday. You know, you, know the, you know his house. Behind it, there's a brother that lives there. To come back from that place to New Heaven was a problem for us. Because the express, they said they were shooting gun. And then, um, and my wife are imprisoned. So as we were driving, we should see three boys who catch break. And watch whether <laughs> we should revise. And that's how, before, just from across the express to New Heaven. It's a terrible world we are in. And um, a generation that's will manufacture how to perpetuate evil. No more armed robbery, but internet fraud, practicing wickedness unknown to man before. Increase in uh, pedophilia, especially involving parental, uh, women sleeping with, uh, sleeping with their sons, and sons sleeping with their, uh, um, uh, men sleeping with their daughters. What was common with, was men sleeping with their daughters? Until I, I watched the documentary where the man is a soldier man, and when he goes to war fronts, the wife will be sleeping with the, the son in the house. You know? So these things are on the increase. Killing of children by teachers and proprietors like the five-year-old girl, Hanifa Abubakar, that was killed in Kanu by the proprietor for the school. You know, he, he injected her with um, rat poison and he pushed her into pieces and buried her. And if you see this girl, very pretty. You know? Heartless generation. 
you know. And then you know of the boy that after he has had sex with the girlfriend, called the friends around, they killed her and also persisted her. You know, you know, go states. You know, it's a generation that is terrific. You know, so inhuman bullying in our schools is becoming very, very common. What can we do? That's what we round up with. What can we do? I have about four of them, and then we'll pray. If there's something that happened recently, I think just this morning, I think I ended this very sadly. And if the world can still do that, I think the church will arise. In, um, is it Morocco now? I can't remember the country again. I think it's Morocco. Where a five-year-old boy fell inside the well. I think today is supposed to be the sixth day. Up till last night, you see the crowd gathered. Army, police, construction companies to rescue him from the well. They know that if they go, because the well tippered towards the bottom, and so using something to bring him out was difficult. So they had to start from somewhere to create hole to come and rescue him from that place. When I woke up this morning, I had to put on the television to know so that I can bring good news. But I had, they, they have reached the body of the child. When I saw the body, I felt so bad. But if the world can go to that length to rescue a five-year-old, well, even in, if, it's, if we hear that a child fell inside well in Enugu, we'll just say, oh, okay, no, I hear melody, God, that we're aware. That's our first thought. And then if he's being seen, young people will be coming to video him and send to friends. What are they In the scene of accident, that's what happens. People will come and be videoed instead of thinking of how to take the person to the hospital. You know? So if they ha- the world can still do that, then how much more the church? Let us don't just be saying these things and then do nothing about it. For the want of time, let's just summarize this into four. Number one, we pray. Number two, we preach. Number three, we practice. And then the final thing we do is to um, provide. We'll look at these four things and then we'll pray. We must pray. We must labor in prayer. For first and foremost, for yourself. Like the song we sang, Shine, Jesus, shine. Fill this land with the Father's glory. Bless, Spirit, bless. Set our hearts on fire. Let your heart be set on fire for this generation. Let the evil that is in the society trouble you. Let it give you sleepless nights. So that when you get to the, to the, to the, to, on your knees, you trouble the heavens for solution. And when you come with that kind of might and body, there is no way you cannot get results. Amen. Number four, of course, you, you also you remember that the, the Bible basically tells us that you cannot come into a strong man's house without what, doing what? First binding him. On your knees, you bind the Satan that is walking behind them. And then you can go and harvest them for the master. Preach. We must not keep quiet or let our mouths be shut. The master commands us. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. Matthew chapter 5, 10, verse 26 to 27. So we must preach. We must preach. After you have finished praying, you must go out there. You know, I told you that the church in Philippi, because I was wondering why I have to go through those preamble. Our church has the semblance of the church in Philippi. You know, I was talking to a group of people and I could count up to five or six professors. And I used them as an example. You know that? I say I'm a troublemaker. They started wiring me. That why should I use them? I said, because professors, look, 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 this, this, you know about you. One of them still met me 
privately. And I told you, here, it's the same thing. You have doctors, engineers. Only very few people in this church find it difficult to feed. And so we have what it takes not to be selfish like the church in Philippi. Not to just think about yourself. But think about how this church can become part and parcel of the solution of the ills of the society. In practical terms. There is something that troubles me as an individual. For me, I had that Koskaris, the owner of Koskaris, Kwakosmos Kanakbea, I heard that he goes on street evangelism. Somebody saying here till tomorrow, Kos, uh, Cosmos, Koskaris, one of the richest Anambra man you can think of. As big as he is, that he goes on streets evangelism. But some of us have become too big to carry the Bible and tell people. I have an auntie. He was the director for admin of NACA in Abuja. The office is in central area. Big woman. The last time I went to supply her with daily guide, I was amazed. She was telling me how she went to preach on their streets. He was asking the Holy Spirit which house or who to talk to. And he now saw this boy. And then by the time he went to talk to the boy, the boy had not eaten for three days. It's not only that she witnessed to him, he had to be settled in one settlement home they have in, um, um, what do you call it, Nyanya Axis, for homeless people. I was challenged. Big woman! Mrs. Lamy Smith. So what about you? Your status that God lifted you, you have denied him the purpose of putting you there. It is not for Naira making. The primary purpose of God lifting you up there is so that your life will spread wider. Some of you have the capacity that Ezali does not have. Some of you see you can enter in this Enugu that I cannot. I was telling Ojinta that you don't know what it means to be NBA chairman. You can't access to what is the name of governor of Enugu State. Eh? Ugwani. I said you have access to governor Ugwani. He said, no, this and that. I said, you don't know who you are. We have people. When the said NBA chairman came uh, looking for you, only did that Because the man knows that Nigerian Bar Association can put trouble for him. Those opportunities, utilize them for the sake of the gospel. Not just to acquire land, acquire money. Utilize it. Hallelujah. Practice. That is where the trouble lies. Practice of holiness sets us apart. Now the Bible says we are in the world, but not of the world. So the practice of holiness sets you apart. You are not of the world. But the practice of meeting out their need, you must be in their midst. Does it look ironical? Of course, I won't be in Jesus. They say you are in the world, but you are not of the world. As far as life issues is concerned, you are not of the world. You live a life of holiness that is isolated, separate from sinners. That's how the Bible describes Jesus Christ. But when it comes to the issue of reaching out to them, you must be there. You cannot stay in Enugu and then call somebody in Sokoto and say, receive the gospel. Or call somebody in Sokoto and give him food. Is it possible? Well, you can career it, but do you even know the person? Do you know his address? So as far as this issue of practice is concerned, you must be not of the world, but you're also in the world. 
Professor Nebo was talking to us at, um, at Camp of Faith. I think that was about three weeks ago. During our Jack. During um, the 50th anniversary of Inyaka. And he was telling us about all these other religious issues, fellowship and the rest. He said we are doing well. But when it came to this issue of social works, he said we are not doing well. So we must have compassion. The practice of compassion sets us in the world, working among them, not alienated, having compassion, feeling their pains, identifying in their problems and participating in their tribulations. This is at the soul of missions. Of course, the white men that brought this gospel to us, that's why most of us here went to school. Is it not true? The first schools in Nigeria were mission schools. You go to Kaduna, you'll be amazed. The number of mission schools in Kaduna that Muslims have just taken over. You see Baptist uh, uh, houses in, in GRO and Kaduna, so many of them. If you go to a Kuyusi Baptist hospital, they are very powerful hospital. You go to, um, what do you call it? Uh, um, what is the name? That place, you know, got a mission or your state. Chaki. Powerful missionary hospitals that were built by these people. Primary schools, secondary schools. If you go to Plateau State, you find out that the agriculture of Plateau State is actually maintained by Equa. And they employ a large number of youths. You can't see they are used going for Kurumiri because the church is doing great works, providing means of employment for them. Can we dig boreholes? Can we feed the hungry, tend the wounded, give water to the thirsty? Can we dig boreholes in some of the, those remote areas where we go? So for outreach or plant churches? For you to shine your light, you must understand the needs around your environment. Out of the 7 billion world population, one out of two live in less than $2 a day. One in three claim to be Christians. One in six does not have access to health care. One in seven does not get enough to eat. More than one billion people live on less than one dollar a day. Of these, 46% live in sub-Saharan Africa. Of course, we all know that Nigeria is the poverty capital of the world. More than one billion people do not have access to safe drinking water. A child dies every second from a water-related disease. Every 15 seconds, five children die. Most from Preventable disease of malnutrition. Let's take you from World Vision compilation from United Nations Human Development Report, FAO, and the rest. The last thing we need to do is to provide. You can send others with your resources where you cannot go. In mission, you can either go, give, or groan, or a combination of any two or all. In other words, you can go, you can give, and you can groan. But you must not be idle in the house of God. You must find a way that your path of changing the scenario in this perverse and sinful generation that we are in. In conclusion, you can therefore shine as lights in this perverse generation through prayer, through opening your mouth to preach against the ills and the consequences 
telling them about the power of the Savior to deliver, sharing your testimony. Through practicing holiness in your office, family, and neighborhood, or through your giving for the furtherance of the gospel in the world. Let us pray. And you also know that if you have not given your life to Christ, what we are talking is strange. You are not involved. You are still in darkness. And that should be your starting point. And if you are giving your life to Christ, but you are also sharing in this sinful world, you can try to make a U-turn. If your, life is, your light is shining, is it shining as bright as the master expects of it? The word of God has gone forth, providing us with yet another opportunity to reconcile with him. Even in this perverse generation, is there any one of us that wants to do himself the most important decision today? You want to give your life to Christ. Please raise up your hands. You want Christ to be your Lord and personal Savior. You want him to take control of everything about you. Our Lord said that he stands at the door of your heart. He's knocking. And only you can open that door for him to come and dine with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Heavenly God, we thank you because your word remains the same. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Even as it has gone forth, Lord, it will achieve its purpose in the life of your people in Jesus' name. That we should not conform with the standard of this time and generation. But we will be continually be renewed by your word. The standard upon which we live. That we will shine wherever we see ourselves. Without taking cognizance of anything. But remaining shining. So that the world will see the light. And acknowledge the light. And come to the light in Jesus name. Heavenly Father God, we thank you. We appreciate you. We we'll give you all the honor. We we'll give you all the praise. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Shine,